Welcome to Amalgam, a podcast focusing on creatives and entrepreneurs. You can enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. If you would like to get in touch or support the show, please visit AmalgamPodcast.com. Check out the blog for each episode on the Apple News app and follow us on Instagram at Amalgam Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to check out our show and please enjoy this new episode. This is the 20th episode. It's I've, it's been a busy, busy March and April, and I felt like I was slacking, but I also don't think that I was slacking because we just released an episode, Chris's episode today, and I'm recording another one tonight, and I'm I'm so glad to do this, and I'm glad we we got together and we kept it we kept it together, didn't we, Sarah? We made it happen. We waited. We waited we until <laughs> almost 10 o'clock at night tonight, but. We're recording. Okay. I have Sarah Rorvig with me, an old friend from Bellingham. How's it going? Oh, it's so good. It's so good to chat with you, Corbin. Good to catch up, as always. Absolutely. And, and it's been a long time. And it's, yeah. you have been very, very busy. You're a busy person. What, um, can you tell the audience, introduce what, uh, what your profession is? Of course. Um, my name is Sarah Rorvig, and I'm a professional makeup artist and the owner and instructor of Viva Lux School of Makeup in Bellingham, Washington. Viva Lux. That's a, Viva Lux. That's a cool name. Thanks. What, what, how'd you come up with Viva Lux? Just, this is right, right away I'm going off script. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's all right. No worries. Um, you know, part of me, like the whole idea of luxury and the beauty industry and stuff, it's, mm-hmm. luxury is, is a very, you know, it, some people take that as like having things and expensive stuff. And some people, which I think is more of our generation and the younger generation, is that luxury is living a life that you love and doing stuff that you love and traveling and, you know, that the kind of more life experiences rather than things. And so that's kind of where the Lux part and the Viva, you know, live that luxury gotcha. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's, that's very awesome. It's great. Thanks. When did makeup artistry when did that begin in, in your life and how did you decide that that was a, a professional direction you wanted to go in? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I didn't grow up thinking that I wanted to be a professional makeup artist. Um, yeah. You know, this was, this was pre-Instagram and YouTube and, you know, kind of growing up in the kind of smaller town of Bellingham, I'd never met or even heard of professional makeup artists. That just wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. So when I was a senior in high school, which, you know, of course, is when we're all just trying to figure out our lives and trying to figure out our next steps after high school, uh, I was driving with my mom and we heard an ad on the radio for a makeup school in Vancouver, BC. And I remember just thinking, like, that that's a thing. That's an actual job. I can do that. <laughs> so, you know, once, once I kind of got the gears going, I realized that I'd been practicing with makeup my whole life, which... <laughs> You know, funny enough, it began at age five when my dad actually allowed me to put makeup on him. Uh And, you know, all throughout high school, doing my friend's makeup and 
school plays, theater, and just taking art classes, which were always my favorite. Okay. So, you know, so I went and toured the school with my mom, and I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. And luckily, I have really amazing parents who, they were really supportive of me attending a trade school rather than trying to force me to take the college route, which is, you know, it's not for everyone. And Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I spent a year commuting to school in Vancouver while living in Bellingham, which, you know, you know, it's like an hour and a half Whoa. drive away. Yeah. And I, um, I graduated top of my class with the Outstanding Achievement Award. And since I've been, since then, I've been doing makeup professionally now for about 14 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. A okay. couple, time. couple of things. And I noticed, <laughs> so school plays in theater. So you've been, you've been doing makeup for, since you were a kid as well? Um, probably since high school. Okay. Yeah, I think, I, you know, theater, I love theater and I love being able to change, you know, what you look like and transform into a different character or person. But I think that, like, my heart really lies with beauty makeup artistry, but okay. I do love theater and Halloween is my favorite holiday. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah, that's definitely a big part of what I do, for sure. But I think okay. the beauty, the beauty aspect of it is what kind of drew me in okay yeah. and the the commuting so how many days a week would you have courses at the school it was three days a week okay yeah it's still a lot of that's, that's a lot wow and to graduate at the top that's that's impressive yeah i loved it i would go back if i could okay. <laughs> well i loved it so much i started yeah right, school, right, so. exactly that's great yep. Can you tell me about Viva Lux in, in the makeup school and what that is today for you? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I opened the makeup school at the beginning of 2017, and I created a program for aspiring artists to learn the technical application uh, as well as the business side of working as a professional makeup artist. Because previously, I'd worked in business law for about five years. And okay. of course, as a freelance artist, so I teach my students about what it takes to successfully operate their own business. You know, not just you can be a makeup artist, but if you can't sustain it financially and with a good business sense, you're not going to make it. So you could be a good artist and a poor business person. Right. It doesn't Diff work. Different set of skills. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, so I offer courses in beauty basics, uh, bridal and airbrushing high fashion editorial and face and body painting. And just recently I incorporated special effects into the program as well. Wow. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I'm still working as a freelance artist. I'm still available to my clients. Uh, and my specialty is bridal makeup and teaching private lessons to my everyday clientele. But I do tons of styled shoots and, you know, of course, Halloween makeup, like I said, favorite so i'm i'm still working a lot outside of the school okay how to keep it interesting it's uh, <laughs> it sounds like it's definitely interesting that's there's a, it seems like a lot of different categories of makeup artistry how do you get experience in each in each one and is it just over time you generally get exposure or you have to just go for it and practice on your own Absolutely. I mean, I break it down into the basics, so I'll kind of walk you through the program. So we okay. start off with just the basic stuff, which is learning color theory and 
technical application. So here's how you properly apply mascara or whatever um, and different ways to do that. And then when we get to the bridal and airbrushing, we talk about the bridal industry specifically and working with wedding schedules and contracts. Uh, And then I also teach airbrush makeup. So that's when they learn how to apply foundation using an airbrush machine. So then going forward in the class, they can use airbrush to do the body painting and it kind of, so we kind of, progress through it learning that way gotcha um yeah and then you know the high fashion editorial stuff is just once we've learned all the basics we get into the really creative looks and why you know how to do these really kind of off the wall looks but still making them look good there's kind of a fine line between doing something (laughs) weird that this doesn't work and like weird that looks really cool you know what i mean (laughs) it's like it's a very different (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and then the you know face and body painting that's you know, you like painting on a body is it's just another canvas. So mm-hmm. you can anyone that has an artistic background can do body painting, but you have to take into consideration you're working on a human. You know, they're warm and they're going to sweat and they're moving and how are things going to look <laughs> with this direction and you know how do you cover the nipples? It's just like you know, it's just <laughs> a lot of there's a lot of things that. So, right. um, you know, but being a makeup artist, it just means that you're an artist where your canvas is the human body and that's it. Mm. That's awesome. I, I like that. Yeah. That's well put. <laughs> oh, okay. How do you draw inspiration for your art? I think my main source of inspiration is actually from my clients. Um, my, my preferred style of makeup is natural with, you know, a touch of sultry and I always, I always aim to keep my clients looking like their actual self and not covering up the things that make them unique. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think makeup is it's a very delicate art. It's purposefully drawing attention to our best features and then you know subtly hiding the flaws because we all have flaws. Oh, uh, you know we all have insecurities and mm-hmm. uh, you know giving confidence to someone through beauty and makeup is really what made me fall in love with makeup artistry in the first place okay so so each uh each client or each person you the inspiration to like make them make them feel good and make them feel happy and confident in themselves that's that's inspiring that's awesome absolutely a friend of mine (laughs) offered a question that i thought was a great one and do you paint at all outside of makeup you know, I do definitely. Um, you know, not not probably as much as I'd like to these days. Just you know, owning a business and being busy with that. But you know, I do I do kind of get my fix with my with body painting. I do that pretty regularly as a teacher with my my classes. So I, I guess that counts. Um, yeah, you know, having a having a background in color theory has helped me so much as an artist, since it translates into all aspects of art and design. So. For me, like living, living, even just living at home and decorating my house and choosing colors and all of that, I, I, I love being creative with. And but yes, I definitely do paint. I, I need to be doing more of that for sure. But I, I do paint. Yes. Color theory is is amazing. I, I think um even just understanding the basics of it, I think is is fun. If you have anything to do with with art or design or something it's definitely worth 
if you haven't already been exposed to it, if you've taken an art class, I would be surprised if you haven't. Like, you at least know, understand complementary colors versus like the primary colors versus things like that. And it's definitely understanding mood or like psychology of color um, is really Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's definitely the, you know, the basics, the 101 of all art is color and how it works together and complements each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I absolutely, I bought a book um, that I love going through. It's the elements of graphic design and, they dedicate a section to color as uh as just a foundation in, in, in ways and it's i they have this awesome infographic of it that just like has so much perfect like encapsulation of colors so it's, it's nice. i'm a nerd for infographics so mm-hmm. oh me too yeah <laughs> <laughs> the visual yes yeah. yes i agree mm-hmm. this works perfect for the next question of what do you take into consideration when you choose a color palette for your clients yeah um you know of course color theory i think it's that's kind of where i start with all my clients but you know for for example um if i have a client with green eyes i like to choose eyeshadows with a red undertone uh, such as like a copper or a reddish brown Interesting. on a yeah on a color wheel you'll see that red and green are opposites of each other so they're considered complementary colors Right. Um, this this really just means that when you place these colors next to each other, they enhance each other. Uh, this also means when you place these colors over each other, they neutralize each other. So that it isn't about positioning too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love using that method because when I have clients that want to look natural but make their eyes pop, I hear that all the time. You know, I know I can. <laughs> I know I can I can do that through color selection and not needing to rely on the heavy makeup to draw attention to the eyes. You know, my my personal motto is that it's not about using more makeup; it's about using the right makeup. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and you know, this also applies to selecting colors to use on the skin. So sometimes clients will have a bit of redness that they want to cover up. So. Rather than selecting a full coverage foundation, I could instead use something sheer with just olive undertones. So that small amount of the yellow and green will cancel out the redness and leaving the skin looking natural and fresh. Gotcha. Okay, so this kind of reminds me of in graphic design, there's things called blending modes. And And it's all it has to do with how the colors it's more of like a mathematical equation because you know you're dealing with digital colors on the screen but it it's interesting when i hear you talk about red and green being complementary and and using that method um and you love the way that that can you can use the color wheel to do things like this in your job it's funny when there's something so analog as as makeup artistry but then it makes me think of something so digital like graphic design or Mm-hmm. Illustrator definitely. or Photoshop. Yeah, yeah can, definitely. Can you tell the audience who you look up to in your industry and um and sort of why that person why that person is important? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I'd say that I have two that are probably my favorites, and one of them is Linda Hallberg. She's a Swedish makeup artist and beauty influencer who creates 
very different makeup looks on herself. And she has a blog and a YouTube channel to show how she executes them. Um, I just, I love her creativity and her willingness to share her expertise with others. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she has no formal training, but she's just, she, she does just incredible looks. And so when I'm kind of in a creative slump, I, I tend to kind of go to her and look through what she's doing and I can find stuff that I'm like, oh, I want to try that or oh, I want to do this and, you know, match these things together. And she's just, she's an incredible artist and super, super funny. She's just super cute. That's awesome. That's yeah. No formal training. That's like, it's mm-hmm. always cool to see people and then giving back with the content and teaching and sharing Definitely. ideas. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the other makeup artist that I look up, up to the most is Pat McGrath, um, who probably all professional makeup artists should know or do know. Um, okay. But she's she's been called the world's most influential makeup artist because of her work for basically all of the world's fashion week. Okay. Yeah, she's she's the she, <laughs> I know she's big time. Um, yeah. yeah, she's the she's like the go-to person for all the top designers to come to actually like come up with the makeup looks that are seen in each collection that's showcased at fashion week. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. She's just incredibly creative and the looks that she comes up with, you know, for fashion week basically just sets the trend for the upcoming season. Wow. So everybody's just waiting on her to drop. Just waiting on her. <laughs> yep. to, what is she coming up with? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. lot of pressure. this question kind of piggybacks on those um uh, how does someone evolve in your industry uh i think you know i think the most important thing about growing and evolving as an artist is just to never stop doing makeup and you know it sounds so simple but it really it's really easy to just not practice when you don't have any clients booked in your schedule yeah, and you know, I heard a I heard a quote from Bob Ross once where he mm. said, I "Love Bob Ross too, by the way." Right. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, "Talent is a pursued interest. Anything that you're willing to practice, you can do." And I think that's probably key for almost any profession, but it just wow. it really rings true with this. It's just everything just takes practice, and I tell this to a lot of my students. You know, I, I'm like, you just have to keep going. You have to keep practicing. You you now have the fundamentals, but really it's up to you now to, like, I've taught you everything, but here you go. You like, you just have to keep at it. You know, yeah. with the, in, yeah, in the beginning, when starting out as a professional, it takes a lot of self-drive to promote yourself and to network and, you know, even having to work for free to, you know, just build your mm-hmm. portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, clients don't, fall into your lap right away you have you have to build your name first and you have to put in the work and I think that this is really what separates the people who just want to be makeup artists with the actual professional makeup artists absolutely and when you say keep practicing if you've learned the fundamentals that's great but then that next level and understanding how much you don't know (laughs) is kind Mm -hmm. of like that next phase and that can be daunting or scary or intimidating or demoralizing, but sometimes you just kind of have to turn that into a challenge that that you enjoy taking, I guess. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even... To... Oh, go ahead. 
sorry. Even, you know, for me, I, I don't claim to know it all. Like, yes, I teach at a makeup school, but I do not know it all. Like I, I know a lot, but I, you know, I'm always learning too. And there's also always new trends. There's always new products that I want to learn how to do and then pass that information to my students too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really important to not just stop because you think you know it. You know, people in the 80s probably thought they knew everything and they're still doing their makeup like that. <laughs> it's not cute. You need to stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 80s makeup. Knock it off. Yep. Um, With that. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing about <clears throat> that Bob Ross quote Talent is a pursued interest. Anything that you are willing to practice, you can do. That's amazing because it it really hammers back to like giving you control of things. Um, you can kind of dream in that way. Like I'm I'm in a dream that I can do this thing while I'm practicing and until I'm good. Like you just you just right continue trying and you keep at it and. The next thing you know, you put a year into something or even six months. Maybe you're a prodigy that you didn't even know and you're just amazing right out of the gate. But you just got to yeah. take the risk, take the shot and and, and mm-hmm. embracing the grind. Definitely. Yeah, embrace, embrace the grind. I love that. It's yeah. just, you know, it's not, it's not always about the destination. It's about, you know, enjoying the journey and like learning and, you know, all just all of that. It's so true. Yeah. I love that. Embrace the grind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and Thanks I like having me. these these. Uh, I like having these notes because, um, it, it, you mentioned it sounds so simple when you say these things out loud and everything, but it it is like the doing. The doing mm-hmm. is the hard part. So, um, yeah. saying out loud is one thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. So true. We talked a little bit about this, I think, but um, for a day to day, what's your what's your day to day grind for everybody? Because I I know from just simply hearing some like the variety of things that you do, it is busy. And then you also told me you don't sleep, so it sounds like yeah, you're constantly <laughs> doing things. Uh, so true. Yeah, I haven't slept in about two years, but <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't change a thing. Um, but you know, honestly, like my day to day is just probably just lots of emails. <laughs> yeah, you know, between like my own clients, you know, wedding clients and stuff, and like, and then operating a licensed trade school, it can just be very overwhelming at times. But I try, I try my best to answer every email thoroughly and with care. You know, I really hate getting an email. You know, I've asked two questions and I get back like a one word answer. To that I don't know which one it's for. And I'm like, oh, I hate that. Nice. Um, you know, and like I have my bridal clients, they're relying on me to be detailed and to be helpful. And so I really have to make sure I'm attentive to them because that is what they're paying the big bucks for. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, otherwise, email's kind of an everyday whatever. But otherwise, I, you know, I typically teach Monday through Thursday at the school when I have um, sessions and then, spending weekends just trying to do something creative or spending time with my loved ones. But, you know, that's probably about as detailed as I can get with the typical day since one of the actual perks of my profession is that every day is different. You know, that's kind of the best part. 
that's good. That's yeah. good because, um, I mean, it, it seems to me, it seems really daunting to run a school and that's, but it sounds like you absolutely just love it and it, and it energizes you and, yeah. and that variety probably helps so much. That's awesome. Definitely. You know, I, I, I do love running it and I, I love business. I'm a huge fan of just entrepreneurship and coming up with ideas to, you know, to do business and for people to kind of make their own niche. I love brainstorming about that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's, for me, it's, uh, you know, I'm a creative person. So Mm -hmm. I love, I love the teaching and I love being with these people and kind of leading and inspiring people. I'm really good at that. But I think that for me as, as a creative and, you know, I'm an Aquarius and I just, I love that. I'm kind of aloof. I just love that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, so for me, the, the emails is, it's fine. I've accepted that, but like, <laughs> you know, accounting and like, oh gosh, I just, I hate mundane stuff. I, I hate it. I just, I, I'm not at the point yet where I can give that to someone else to do, but I'm close. So as soon as I can get rid of, you know, pay someone to do my accounting and to pay someone to, like, just do all the things that I don't like to do that are tedious, I can't pay them. I'm close, but That's not the first quite. thing you're getting out, getting out of. <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing I'm getting rid of. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> not, nothing wrong with that. There's... <clears throat> yeah. This is kind of a goofy question, but I was just curious about it. What are big-time no-nos in your industry? Ooh, big no-nos. Okay, so something that I see way too much of is makeup artists that are using dirty tools and dirty brushes and not really cleaning up their kit, which probably is from just pure laziness. Um, But, you know, for me, this is like professional makeup artist 101. Like, not not only is it gross, but... (laughs) you're also putting your client's health at risk. There's, you know, there's actual instances where people nearly die from MRSA or SAS from just using dirty makeup brushes. It's like, it's disgusting. Yeah. Bacteria, bacteria is a real thing, people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Man, just, that's, that's, I, th- I think about, I mean, like staff from, from like a, a gym mat or something, you know, sucks, but like, oh, yeah. Makeup's on your face. On your face. <laughs> <laughs> on your face, man. Yeah. I mean I mean I can pretty much guarantee I can guarantee that my makeup kit is cleaner than everyone's home personal makeup arsenal. Like mine is cleaner than yours. hundred mm. percent. You know, I awesome. I'm also I'm not I'm a super big stickler for it. Um, but uh, I just Oh reason, gosh, though. I just there's no that's yes. okay. It's that's yes. okay to be. It um, totally is. About, yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna apologize for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I I do see that a lot where people are kind of just lazy uh, about it. And I was even watching some some TV show, and they like went over the makeup artist brush bill, and I was like, I can see that they're dirty from here. Like, didn't they know they were coming to film this? Like, what are you doing? Uh-oh. Oh god! Yeah, wouldn't just, you just buy brand yeah. new brushes and set those out for the show? Yes. And stuff? Yes. Yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh! Man. But yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, we there's there's a couple no nos in the industry, but okay. I'd say the the other big one is just not or the other no no would be making your clients feel uncomfortable. Um, 
because you're literally working like in their personal bubble the entire time. Right. So it's really important for makers to check themselves before getting to work. Um, okay. If, yeah, sometimes it's it's bad breath uh. or it's just pressing a little too hard, but it can also be negative energy. You know, if you're having a bad day, yep. you have to put that aside and you have to be 100% focused on your client with a big smile on your face. You know, some people just have a hard time hiding that or even being aware of yes. those things, but it's absolutely necessary to be sensitive of that when working with clients. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that would be hard to teach in a class is that specifically, is that the social, like the social <laughs> reps. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being, being in aware uh, of yourself in the moment, the environment, how you, I mean, I was literally just telling my daughter that we, we have the preschool gives the kids assessments, which is like, sweet, we're already grading them, but whatever. And uh, <laughs> it's great because it gives us an opportunity to look at like actual, like an actual rubric of behavior. Like that, it, these are real behaviors that we all will exhibit or need to exhibit at some time in our life. And that one of the example she needs to work on is how her behavior attitude affects others around her. And it's just very simple. Mm. Again, it's yeah. simple saying it out loud, but man, in practice, um, when you're at work or you're at the gym or you're at home with your family or you're wherever you're filling up gas, like, man, if you start to pay a, too much attention to it, that can be a problem. Like you're, scared you're scared all the time of hurting mm -hmm. someone's feelings but once you really start to pay attention to it you notice you can start to pick up on it when people are people are yeah. just kind of not not like you said don't take your bad day to the to the lady's wedding you know like it's, mm -hmm. not, it's not your absolutely. day absolutely yeah it's it's so important to know how to just just carry yourself and you know get a, getting along with anybody being able to talk to anybody and making anyone feel comfortable sitting in your chair, it's, it's so important because I meet all kinds of different people, all kinds of ages, and some people are scared to get their makeup done. So maybe they had a bad experience. And I think that, you know, you're right. That is probably the hardest thing for me teaching, which opening the school, I should have probably known, but I didn't really anticipate it as much as, mm. I, as I've had to kind of come across that. Um, but, you know, for me, that's kind of, it's interesting because I see it and it's, it is my job to tell them these things. So sometimes it's that awkward conversation about, hey, you know, you got to start wearing deodorant or like whatever, right. you know, it's just like, that is literally why they're paying me is to learn how to be a professional. And so I've, uh, I've definitely learned a lot about, you know, just talking to people about kind of sensitive stuff and um you know being compassionate because some some people just don't know and right. so it's it is uh it's yeah it's been it's my job to tell them it's been interesting kind of right and it's getting those skills yeah it's hard it's hard to draw the line of <clears throat> excuse me complete politeness and then or being like uh intrusive into someone's life and so it's uh and sometimes people just don't know things until you say something and uh mm -hmm. Maybe Very nobody true. just wanted to hurt their feelings for a long time. Yep. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
That's interesting. So that was kind of one of the the bit, uh, early learning curves from starting the school was that that uh, part of teaching. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Luckily, you know, I've been really fortunate that it's been super minimal, but okay. there are some things where I'm just like, okay, this this does have to be addressed. And then, you know, they it's like you said, they just didn't know or they mm. never thought about that or whatever. And it's, it's fixed, you know, so that's, it's always, it's always been positive. So I, good. I, I feel good about that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This question, I like asking these kind of ones. If you could lead a revolutionary trend in your industry, what would it be? Oh, you know, this one is kind of a hard one because I feel like with makeup, there's so many trends all the time and everyone's done it. You know, I, I, I do kind of think that. But I think for me personally, if I could like lead a trend and like make more people do it, I would probably say that less is more. Okay. <laughs> that, like that kind of trend. I'm just, I'm so sick of the really overdone makeup looks that I see on a lot of YouTube videos. Okay. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, I think that true artistry doesn't have to rely on heavy coverage and loading on makeup to look good. Um, I just, I hope that our younger generations don't feel like they have to do that and they have to look like someone else to like be beautiful. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just, I think that it's, it's kind of scary to think that they see this and they're like, oh, this is what, this is how you do makeup. And I'm like, no, poor baby angel, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> like, no. Oh, yeah. So I think that's probably what, where I would take that that's revolution. Awesome. That's yeah. great. I like that. Thanks. If there are resources for someone trying to learn makeup techniques, where would you direct them? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, my school maybe possibly (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean yes of course but typically i think for the average person just looking to learn something for themselves i would probably i'd probably recommend finding a qualified makeup artist in their area to give them a private makeup lesson okay um you know the cost could range somewhere between 50 to 150 but you'll learn techniques and color selections for you specifically, which no YouTube video can give yeah, you. No way. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're, even if you're interested in becoming a makeup artist, that would be a great way to start because you can kind of meet someone and during your lesson, you can maybe ask them about themselves and, you know, what they did. And that also gives you a connection. Maybe you could intern for them. You know, that's just, mm-hmm. I'd say that that is a really great foot in the door. Yeah, so you're almost yeah. like the job shadow almost like immediately and at the same time. I mean, yeah. what if you never really thought that you would be on your feet a lot, you know? Like it's mm-hmm. it's just something uh, you never know until you're out there on the ground floor. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know, before I started the school, mm-hmm. um, I, had, I had taught, yeah, oh gosh, I don't know, five or so assistants and so they were they were helping me to do weddings and this and that and then it was like kind of this crazy all of a sudden I was getting tons of emails and stuff about from girls just being like hey I want to be a makeup artist but I don't know where to start do you need an assistant can I help you 
where'd you go to school? Can I take you to coffee to pick your brain? You know, all this <laughs> stuff. And I was like, okay, this, it was like, all of these happened at once. And I was like, you know what? I need to start a makeup school. And I kind of had the idea already. And so I felt like that was, that was my sign. And it, I think it was the right time. That's awesome. Yeah. All these, all these things kept trying to push you over the ledge mm-hmm. to take the jump. Yep, awesome. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what other ventures have you taken on? Something something that's really important to me is giving back to my community through, you know, through the school, especially because this is my hometown. You know, I'm still living here in Bellingham. I've moved away, but mm-hmm. I've come back and you know, I just it's just such a great place. So I want to try to give back as much as I can. Uh, I do a lot of work with organizations in town by donating my time and my artistry for fundraisers. Okay. And yeah, I've been really lucky to be part of many events, but you know, just since opening the school two years ago, have raised almost four hundred thousand dollars in what? total. Yeah, huge. So yeah, I'm I'm connected with some really good organizations now who do some amazing work for um, we have you know, you probably know, but here in Bellingham we have the um, kind of big homeless population and I work I do a lot of work with Lydia Place which they help to um, just just get families you know into homes and um, just kind of focusing on like keeping the family unit together and support for people that are just struggling but want to do better and help them get jobs and so yeah they have a bunch of events every year and there was one just a couple months ago that was they raised um, 250000 in one event what my goodness that is yeah (laughs) yeah that is so much money yep yeah it's just community you know we have a really great community here so and you know for me too i'm like okay you know yeah i'm giving back but it's also a great opportunity to network so there Mm -hmm. is a little bit of that too (laughs) absolutely no of course like of course of course it's no one should feel bad if you do if you do get some recognition for it or you do get some free advertising or whatever it is it's um mm-hmm. your yeah. your motivations and your your heart are in the right place um definitely yeah so the fundraising can you tell me a little bit about that the network that you how does the planning or these these things come together and and i guess how much how are you involved in like i guess top to bottom for these things so i'll give you an example so lydia place that i mentioned earlier they do mm-hmm. they do one event every year called handbags for housing so they collect um donated used gently used handbags and then they also get donations of brand new designer handbags that are worth a lot more so then what they do is they put all these handbags out and then they do an auction for them. And then they auction off these really expensive ones and raise kind of money that way. So how I come in is I, um, I volunteer myself and then my, either my current students at the time can volunteer or graduates or anyone. And I set up a beauty bar at the event. So then people that come to the event get to come over, get a little bit of makeup done, a little bit of pampering, and then go back out there and enjoy the event. So we're kind of there just to help provide beauty services and to just a little bit of promotion. Um, and then fun thing for like it's, for oh, the, it's super anybody fun. who wants to get makeup done. That's so fun. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, what if you were running late or something? You're like, oh, sweet, boom. I'll just right. 
<laughs> exactly. We get a lot of that. Yeah, we're like, oh, we just, you know, we try to offer touch-ups, but then we get the people that come in, they're like, oh, can I have a whole makeover? And you're just like, okay, <laughs> sure, all right. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, and then, you know, I, I always try to donate uh, something that's not my, also my students working. So I'll donate like a, a package for a group of ladies to come mm. to my school and get like a private lesson. And then they'll usually auction that off too. So okay. it's just my, you know, it's my services, it's my time and it's not really costing me anything. Um, so that's, that's kind of usually how I'm involved. We'll usually do something with offering services and then offering some kind of package that's, uh, that's bid on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, just, you know, organizing the event too, like the handbag for housing one and kind of leading how the whole beauty bar stuff gets, gets dealt with and set up and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's so impressive. That's so impressive. Like there's these, I mean, the amount, these totals that you guys are raising, it's just, crazy yeah. right yeah it's, it's like your yeah. eyes are so wide right now it's, just... <laughs> it's amazing what a community can accomplish when when they work together yes yeah yes and there's oh i mean there's books uh out there about that that's the only way that a lot of people can be happy is if they feel that camaraderie in that community of uh, support so yeah. Um, okay. Tell me about this personal hobby that you've got. I want this is <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, um yeah, my hobby one of my personal hobbies is racing autocross, which is competitive driving on a closed course. Okay. Um and it's based on time attack where racers will compete for the best lap time. Okay. So it's not it's not like NASCAR where there's like a bunch of cars on a track racing <laughs> at the same time. It's like, you know, you're kind of doing it by yourself and it's just your best time versus everyone else's um but yeah i've been racing with my dad for about seven years and uh, my greatest accomplishment so far was uh winning first place at a national tour event with the sports car club of america in california a couple years ago um, but i've also been volunteering with the local nonprofit car club and i was voted member of the year in 2012. dang so first place at a national tour event, how fast was was the time? Oh, I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. <laughs> I don't cool. remember. Yeah, it was uh it's really cool because the the venue was at an like an old abandoned airport. So wow. it was this huge track. It was just it was like a huge section of it. So usually we I think our top speed was maybe in the 50s, which doesn't seem very fast. But when you're like going up to a 90 degree turn no, at 50 bad. miles per hour, yes. it's insane. Yeah. So it's, I mean, so it was, was so much fun. And I was there with my dad. So it's, that's kind of our father daughter thing, right. racing together. Yeah. That's awesome. So autocross, yeah. how it is that's like, so when it's rally, Ross, is that when it's uh, I think all-wheel the, drive I, on a mountain? And you're pretty much, yeah. Down? That's that's okay. the main difference. Like autocross is on a track, and rally is usually on kind of dirt roads or yeah, yeah. off-roading a little bit. So you're you're, and that's a big thing in the Pacific Northwest is autocross, right? Like it's 
it's yeah, um, yeah. the uh the courses so they the turns are not it's not just an oval like uh nath car it's an actual no a configured race course that's very technical mm-hmm. and 50 miles per hour yeah as that is so fast yeah when you correct. do need to slam like <laughs> yeah i mean most courses i i feel like you're not really going you're definitely not going into your 40s on smaller tracks but okay. that's because you're you know you're doing slums you know you're doing really tight turns and you're getting thrown left and right in the car because you're turning so much. so i love autocross because it's more about precision driving than it is about smashing on the gas and going in a straight right. line right yeah. um i love as far as racing i love uh moto gp um for that reason right. and that <laughs> it's race courses um but uh what kind of car was it that you raced we have a 2001 Mazda Miata. Okay. Do you do mechanic stuff with your dad as well? Did he teach you? Did you guys work on the car yourself together? Not really. Okay. I, I've i done a little bit of mechanical work with my dad. I had a 68 Mustang at one point that we were kind of rebuilding the engine on. And mm-hmm. he taught me how to, like, you know, port the air holes and all this stuff. Like, stuff that I didn't even know was a thing. But right um i'm definitely not as much of a mechanic as my dad and he's he's kind of got that handled and i just uh i just drive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just standing there with sunglasses on and in driving gloves yep. like is the car ready dad <laughs> yeah Time i to try drive. to help but no but no but no <laughs> no <laughs> that's yeah. so cool that's yeah. fun um what so when do you still you're still doing that right now right that's that's still going on i am yeah i i'm uh involved with my local car club still i haven't been doing as much traveling as when you know we did the national tour event in california but i'm still doing local events yeah okay how often Mm -hmm. do those things do you do those things uh they're usually once or twice a month in the like spring, summer, fall. We don't really do any winter events just mm-hmm. because weather. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, usually usually once a month, kind of for, I think, nine months out of the year or so, maybe seven, seven to nine months out of the year. And then in the summertime, we'll do a couple times a month. That's fun. So how does it work with racetracks like that when you actually want to pursue the hobby of racing and not just, like, try it out once in a while and, like, can't you just like go and they have some sometimes they might have cars that you can like essentially rent or pay to borrow and they'll Mm -hmm. let you take it around or is this this is more of members only type stuff no i mean well i know that with our local car club that you we don't really have cars for like rent (laughs) um but any car is welcome to come we've had any kind of car from like old beat up Toyota Tercels to like trucks, which was really interesting to, you know, we've had, we've really had every kind of car. We've had like Beatles and like huge, just huge, like vintage cars. I don't even know, but 
Yeah, we like literally. Who wants to burn rubber. It's anyone who wants to burn rubber. Yeah, it's exactly. It's it's actually a it's a really great way to learn how your car handles in situations where you're not typically prone. Like I've I don't know how many times I've spun that car, you know, 360 degrees. Mm. (laughs) Like, and you know, also just learning how to. Uh, correct yourself when you start sliding on wet pavement and you know just things that I didn't know before I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a much more skilled driver and I'm also a much more patient driver you know I because people that take out their um, aggression on the road and they're driving fast and whatever I'm like this just this doesn't do it for me anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, right I'm there with super you. safe yeah yeah my, I've I've been, you know, I've had some influence from my family, but they also, I just, I want, I don't want to die on the road by my own hand. Yeah, no, I just, not worth it. And so I'm not going to go crazy. But if you want to go do it on a race course and do it appropriately, right circumstances. Yeah. That's so fun. That is so fun. (laughs) It's cool. Would you, what would be uh, a dream car of yours? And then we can wrap Mm, this up. Dream car. Uh, Well, I'd say I have maybe two categories in that. If I had to choose a dream race car, hmm. Oh gosh, then it depends on the weather. Miatas do do great on courses that are dry and Subarus do like, you know, WRX, mm-hmm. they do really well. You know, even like the new like BRZ, it's like an insane car to take on a course, especially if it's if it's wet or if there's any conditions or something you can get on. Yeah, Subarus can smash, but huh. the Miatas are really small, and so you can fit between cones easier, and you can corner better. Yeah. So, okay. like you've got, uh, you have less you're dealing with essentially. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, really it's not a lot about the car either. It's more about driving skills. Gotcha. It's the but, same. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely say Miatas or Subarus are probably what I would choose. That's cool. But for me, for just like a luxury car, I'd say <laughs> I love the, um, like the Forerunners. And really the main yeah. reason is because the back window rolls all the way down <laughs> and my dog would really like that. <laughs> so I choose that one for him. That's awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I was looking at, uh, I have a friend at work who he um has a Dodge Charger. That's right. all. It's a SRT. I I don't want to butcher the model, but it's a V8 <laughs> and a sedan, and it's amazing. It, and so, um, we were just looking at. I was talking about cars because I have a little Subaru Forester, and I just I'm like, man, it, I'm gonna have a hard time not buying another Subaru. Mm-hmm. But I want, yeah. I want, like it. it I, I can't have another four cylinder. I need to go with the six cylinder just because of, like, I just. I like a hev- the heavier feel and the more power. I just I just do. We have a Camry that's a V6, and it's like yep. so smooth on the highway and things like that. So it's just like, yeah. anyways. But what you can get, like you can, the WRXs you can find used and that have been all sorts of upgraded and modded and taken care of, 
uh, very affordable cars. And it's like, it's so, yeah, it's so true. But then I have to worry about my children, what age that they'll be driving and what sort of cars that will be available for them to drive. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind, so. That's true. <laughs> Might have to wait yep. like 20 more years, but who knows? Maybe then it's yeah. just like a self-driving car that's super fast, whatever. That would be late. Yeah, there you go. No, I'm just well, how, do, you know, how do you feel about that? A driver. Oh, the self-driving car? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Say about Subarus, and then I'll let you go. <laughs> um, for self-driving cars, I think I think they're great. I'm okay. curious to see how the whole insurance thing is going to work out with that. It's like, yeah, that fault is interesting. Is it? is it the car's fault? But uh-huh. um, I I mean I think it's great because uh, I think a lot of accidents can be avoided. Mm-hmm. by idiots like not driving so pretty stoked about that part yep. um but for subarus yeah subarus i mean they hold their value so well so that's great you have a forester what year is your forester it is an 07 and it's the is that the older body where yep. it's a little bit square nice yeah we yeah you should it's not the that. oldest though it's not the right. oldest it's the yeah but yeah no it's a great it's a great car. I finally figured out how to drive it. And that's like, you have to be very like minor with your inputs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just kind of yeah. let the car, I don't know. It's really weird. It's <laughs> kind of like you almost have to think of it as a rally car at all times. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, anyways, it's, you think I could, you think I could soup that thing up and put, put some, uh, Portman, you don't need to soup it up. You leave that baby girl just as she is. <laughs> She's ready to go. Just, just, just to, take her for a just drive. Do it, just do an autocross event when you're ready to get new tires because you'll need them after the event. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome because I budgeted for new tires this fall. So it sounds Boom. like this summer I need to go yeah. tear them up or those yeah. ones up. Do it. That's cool. I'll be your coach. You'll be the one in the in the passenger seat going <laughs> left two. Yeah. Four hundred yeah. straight. <laughs> yeah. Dip and then a left three. You got it. Oh man. I, I the only reason I know that is because of a video game, not because of me actually doing any of that. So um, That's okay. Cool. Well, yeah. this has been absolutely fantastic catching up via this podcast interview and, and again. Thank you so much for making the time to do this and staying up late. And I know you're a night owl that you said, but um, it's still a lot of energy. And I, yeah. I just appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much, Corbin, for having me. It's been super fun catching up with you.